The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good evening and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week we're putting together the people and the topics that you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business and do it right and ethically and profitably and also be a good force in your own community. And today is one of my favorite end of the year shows every year where we bring together some of the winners of the Best Deal of the Year contest in Cincinnati at the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati and in Columbus at the Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs, where every year there is a holiday banquet and folks get up and they fight it out about who had the best deals, most creative deals, even worse deals of the year. And this year, as you might expect, it all had to be online, but it was still super fun. And we had some really good competitors who had a lot of lessons that they learned this year by doing deals in an unusual atmosphere. And we are bringing some of those to you this evening. It's uh, the winner of the most creative deal in both groups, um, winner of best deal by a new investor from the Cincinnati group, and also best deal of the year winners. And there's some very interesting little quirks to those deals as well. So our first guest today is the winner of the RIA of Greater Cincinnati Most Creative Deal of the Year Award, Mr. Derek Christian of Handyman Connection, um, immediate past treasurer now of RIA of Greater Cincinnati. Um, done quite a few rehabs, but this one, Derek, was not along the lines of your normal find the deal in the MLS, pay for it with hard money, do the deal, get the check and go home type of strategy that I think people are used to hearing about when they hear about retail deals. No, definitely not. This one uh, is definitely a little more creative and took a little bit of putting together, but was well worth it. Basically, just to start with, it was a retail remodel. I mean, it, yeah, it, I mean, this is a, in many ways a basic retail remodel. I kind of stumbled into it because you mentioned I own Handyman Connection and I went out to bid a customer whose house had flooded. They'd got an insurance settlement from the company, and by the time they got done spending the money fixing the house and selling the house, they were going to basically walk away with break-even and decided that they really just wanted to take their insurance money and go buy a new house and not have the mortgage on the old house. So it was in many ways a classic deal. So you went there as Handyman Connection to say this is this is how this is what you need done and this is how much it, it's going to cost and then they came back to you and said yeah now we're just going to sell it so you just took off your rehabber hat and put on your real estate investor hat 
Yeah, basically, when I got done presenting the rehab to them, they were actually kind of heartbroken because they realized they were going to manage a four to five month rehab, have all these contractors in their house and maybe end up walking away with $20,000 if everything went perfectly. But how often does that happen? And they were just kind of crestfallen and all they really wanted to do and said, you know, we don't even want this house. We just want to go buy a nice small house and we don't know what to do. And that's where I couldn't help them necessarily as a contractor, but I could as a real estate investor realizing that they didn't want to refix this house. They just wanted to move on. Now, that's where the, the creative part happened, because uh, you, 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 you competed in this contest and won most creative deal of the year because there were a bunch of moving pieces. So let's start out with the structure of how you took over the property. Well, my first problem on this deal is I had four or five other rehabs going on. So most of my capital was deployed. And even more importantly, my guys were on other projects. I didn't have anyone to actually rehab the house, but it was a really good deal. You know, we were looking at what they really wanted was $130,000 to pay off their mortgage. And after repair, the house was probably worth about two seventy-five, dollars And I could probably do everything they needed for about sixty. dollars I figured. Actually, I figured I could be closer to forty-five. dollars And end up with about a $77,000 profit when all was said and done. But like I said, I didn't have people to do the work. So the first thing I did is try to find a partner to work with me on the project because my teams are otherwise occupied. So I reached out to another rehabber who I work with on a pretty regular basis that I met through RIA and basically asked if he'd be interested in partnering with me on the deal. I had a really good deal and he could potentially have his people do the work. And that's where it started to get a little bit creative because I realized if Eric was going to do the work, Eric was my partner on this project, I could potentially put this in one of my tax-deferred accounts. When I'm doing a rehab, my tax-deferred accounts can't manage it because I can't be actively involved in the project. But since Eric was going to be running this project, I could potentially do that. And in particular, I could have either done it in my IRA, but what got me really interested is trying to figure out if I could do it in my health savings account because I had a health savings account with about $7,000 in it. So I have a health savings account with $7,000, a partner who's willing to do the rehab, and a house I can buy for $130,000. Well, now, wait a so minute, Derek. Those, those, those numbers don't fit together. I've got $7,000, and I've got a $130,000 house and I, that needs forty five to 60000 in repairs. And let me remind you, I've got $7,000. Yep. Well, that's where the creative part of the deal came in, although I guess you could argue even the partnering was a creative deal. When you go back to what my fundamental problem was of my sellers, they didn't want to keep paying mortgage on a house while a rehab was going on. And they wanted to pay off the mortgage and not be responsible for it and be able to take their settlement from the insurance company was $85,000 and take that 85000 and go buy themselves a nice little house to live in for the rest of their life. So what I did is I approached them with a lease option and agreed that I would lease the house for six months for $1,500 a month, which was sufficient to pay their mortgage, their taxes and everything else that would go into your normal escrow account with an option to purchase the price for $130,000. And I bought that option for $500. So my HSA paid $500 for an option to buy the house for $130,000 and then also signed a six-month lease. It was written into the lease that we were going to be rehabbing and selling the house. So it was very clear that this was not, you know, I was moving in lease. They knew what was happening. And so we signed the lease with them. And then I approached Eric, my partner, and said, hey, Eric, I'm going to bring a house to the deal. I'm going to finance the house. You don't need to worry about that at all. What I need you to do is finance the rehab. And at the end, we'll split the profit, which is potentially $77,000. 
So pretty good deal for Eric as well, because he was going to put about $45,000 into this project. And I didn't get in all the details because we don't have forever, but it's not that extensive of a rehab. It would probably take three months and he would get anywhere from 30 to 35,000 when the house sold. So he would almost double his money in a few months. Mm -hmm. So he was excited about the deal. So at the end of all of this, your health savings account had $8,000 in the deal between the upfront money and the and the five payments that you made while it was being fixed. And when the deal was finished, your HSA got back that $8,000 plus another $26,000, which you then bought a rental house with also in your HSA, which I assume is going to be coming up for my most creative deal of the year next year. And, you know, th- there might be listeners saying, well, golly, this guy's apparently a super genius because he knows how to work HSAs and partnerships and lease options and do rehabs and everything else. But you you made a, a big point when you were presenting this for the best deal of the year contest of saying that pretty much all the resources that led you to this deal came from being in a RIA. Exactly. I mean, I was taught how to use HSAs from my RIA group, and I called out the specific person that showed it to me. I met my partner, Eric, by networking at RIA. And once again, a lot of times people think that, how can I partner with another guy who retails houses? We're competitors. Well, there's plenty of work out there and there's opportunities for us to work together. So I networked with somebody who is theoretically my competitor to put this deal together. And, you know, I learned through RIA how to do a lease option and actually used the RIA lease option contracts to do it. So I took all those pieces to able to kind of thread this deal together. Well, congratulations on both on your great deal and on your win. Your your peers agreed that you had the most creative deal of uh, yeah. 2020. And we look forward to seeing what you are up to in 2021. Sounds good. Thanks I'll for joining us. I'll try to win us. next year. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Derek. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll have more best deals right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. This is our best and worst deal of the year program. And we are talking to the folks who competed and won best deal, but most creative deal and best deal by a new investor at the Cincinnati RIA and Central Ohio RIA best and worst deals of the year contest. Next up, we have Jimmy McRae, who was the winner of the best overall deal of the year at RIA of Greater Cincinnati. And that was a contested little contest right there. But I think, Jimmy, that the combination of why you did the deal, how you did the deal, and then this like little extra thing that happened at the end is probably what put it over the top for you. So let's start with just kind of some background on why in the world somebody who lives in Cincinnati was doing a deal in the Carolinas in the first place. Thank you, Vina, for having me on. Back in October of 2016, Hurricane Matthew devastated my hometown of Lumberton, North Carolina, with massive flooding. It left about 500 families with the limited or no shelter, so uh, we had a lot of homelessness. There were community leaders that did not make it back to their homes, of which my mother, Annie uh, Lois McRae, was one of those um, community leaders. So in um, November 2016, I decided to start a project in honor of my mother so that we could help families, moms and dads, get back to a house that they could call home. Since then, we've placed six families in newly remodeled homes. We've upgraded five family homes, and we are expecting about 
projects in 2021 to put two additional families in homes. So you saw something that was going on in your hometown, and instead of saying, well, let me, I don't know, send some money there or be sad about it or talk about it on Facebook, you actually went down there and got it, got up to your elbows in using your skills as a rehabber to turn these properties over, some of which I assume are pretty humongous rehabs. I mean, it's 2020 now. That thing happened in 2016. And it sounds like many of those properties that were damaged have actually not been renovated since then in four years. Uh, yes, that that is correct. We got involved in um, November 2016, and there's still a large majority of properties that are vacant and still need rehab. So mm-hmm. there's still yet a lot of opportunity to rehab properties and put families back in their homes. So let's talk about this particular property that won you the best deal of the year contest. How, how in the world do you even find properties when you're sitting at home in Cincinnati and you're looking, you know, 400 miles away for deals? I have a habit of at least twice a day, basically early in the morning, about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and, and then a throughout the day, looking at Realtor.com, Foreclosures.com, and other websites to find various properties around the country. And this particular one that I found came up in uh, February of 2020. It was a four-bedroom, two-bath property, about 450-square-foot property that was listed for $37,500. And it was in a community that I knew very well, and so I I knew the properties in that area were pretty valuable. The last time it had sold, it had sold at about $140,000, and the comparables in that area were about $129,000. So an investment of $37,500 for $140,000 property was uh, very attractive to me. Mm -hmm. But you know what every rehabber who's listening is thinking right now is how in the world did he know how much work it needed? Yeah, 37 is a great deal unless it needs $200,000 worth of work. Correct. Yeah, so this was a property that I'd never seen before (laughs) except for the pictures that I saw online and um, it looked to have about three to four feet of water had saturated the lower level of the property. There was a lot of mold in the property, a lot of plumbing issues as well as overgrowth within the yard and the air conditioning and heating system was destroyed. I've been in the business for 30 some years. I've been estimating uh, properties like this. And as well, we had already done about four properties in Lumberton and two other properties in this neighborhood. So I had a fairly good idea based on my experience what this one uh, possibly would take. And we had estimated about $25,000 for the rehab of this property. So it was just, it was just sheer experience. Just, I, I know what, I know what a house that's had four feet of water in it is going to need. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So, so far this sounds like just a, you know, kind of a, a deal, right? It sounds like, like, like you've done this before, et cetera. The big land yap here, <laughs> the big twist at the end had to do with the fact that you didn't end up buying a property. That's correct. About five days before we closed on this particular property, I did a Google search of the area just to see basically what I had bought (laughs) because I had bought sight unseen. And we realized there was a property right next to this uh, particular one 
that was inside the boundaries of the fence line of the property. So we contacted the owner, and the owner indicated to us that there was an additional home that was built about eight years ago that belonged to this property. So, in fact, we were able to buy two properties that were basically you know, 80 to 90 percent complete for you know 39,500. <laughs> we estimated the second property to be after repair value of about $98,000 and we believe that it, it would take about 35,000 to rehab this particular one. But at that point you got to say who cares it's free. <laughs> it's free. Yes, absolutely. I didn't even it, know. It <laughs> I didn't even know I was getting a second property, and I was. So, what did you end up doing with these two properties? Basically, we rehab the main property. Basically, we turned that in, into a rental, and we're renting that at about thirteen hundred bucks a, a month. And basically, we set the price so it'd be comfortable for folks that are trying to find new housing. And we will recover our, our investment in that one in about four and a half years. We're looking at the second property to rehab it in 2021. And we're going to keep that one as a Airbnb and an office for myself when I'm in North Carolina doing, doing rehabs. But primarily a Airbnb for my family and friends when uh, folks are in and out of Lumberton. Sweet. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you for the good work you're doing down there in Lumberton. Congratulations on winning the prestigious Best Deal of the Year award from your peers at RIA of Greater Cincinnati. And uh, we look forward to hearing even bigger and better things from you in 2021. Thank you, Vina, for the offer to tell my story. Thank you, Jimmy. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll have more best deals right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and it's Best and Worst Deals of the Year on the show today. These are gathered from Cincinnati RIA and Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs, CoRE. It's a contest we do every year, and I, I don't know if you're noting that there's a commonality, there's a, there's a thread running through a lot of the stories that our folks are telling. And this wasn't anything we coached them to do. It wasn't anything that you have to say this to win a best and worst deal of the year contest. But the commonality is I belong to my local real estate association and I show up and I build relationships and I ask questions and I'm not hesitant about helping other people. Right. I get helped and I give help. And sometimes I team up with other people and we split deals or they finance it and I do it. Or I know I say it all the time here on the show, but I just can't state strongly enough that you need to find yourself a good real estate investor association. You need to show up. Just paying the dues does not <laughs> does not suddenly convey knowledge and connections to you. You need to help where you can, ask for what you need, and it's a much easier way to proceed through your investing life when you have the help and support of your colleagues. Next up, we have from the Columbus, Ohio area, Megan Hume, who won the most creative deal of the year. Her colleagues at Cori uh, heard a couple of stories and decided that what she had put together here was the, had the highest honors. So, Megan, share with us how this deal started out for you. I kind of am a hunter by nature, so I love trying to find different ways to find deals that maybe other people aren't thinking of or aren't doing at that time. So, and not that nobody's doing MLS, 
but that was just kind of one of the other areas that I decided to go down. And I just started doing keyword searches in the local MLS under different areas. But this one in particular was a state was my keyword. I just set up searches. And then when I have them come in, I actually set up a system to email the actual realtors since they were listed. And just so anytime something that I, I came across, I just put it into this automated system and then I would send them an email. And this one in particular just asked if the property was still listed. Uh, and that was kind of my way to start talking to them. And this one was, and the agent was very determined to try to get this property sold because mm-hmm. it had also been sitting for maybe going on 60 days. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's, let's just, for the folks who are listening from around the country and aren't that familiar with, I don't know, Central Ohio real estate, this was in Pataskala, Ohio, and it was a property that you thought had an ARV of something like three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's a pretty nice house in Pataskala, right? That's a like yeah. move up kind of property. Yes, yeah. yeah. This I would consider a pretty house. Now I didn't break that down when I would do my searches. I just went after anything that had my keywords. And mm-hmm. uh, this one in particular, though, ended up being a pretty house. And I knew another investor in town from our local RIA that had kind of knew the area a little better knowing somebody that was trying to find a property in that area and they were flying off the market it's a little bit outside of the city one acre lots and people just couldn't find anything there so he really helped me and kind of direct me and say I would send a lot of my deals because he's more experienced than me to him that I was evaluating and he'd look at them and and this one he finally went yes this mm-hmm. is one. And I'm like, yay, finally. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so I put an offer on it. And it was the list price at the time that you made the offer was 160 ended up at 145000 on that one. And you went into contract July, not of this year, <laughs> July <Yeah. laughs> of 2019. So that's where things got kind of nutty. Tell us what happened between the scheduled closing date in August of 2019 and when it actually closed. (laughs) So we were scheduled to close. It was a Friday. I was actually at a water park with my kids and uh, well, we're supposed to close on Monday. I was at a water park with nothing but a towel and sunscreen. And all of a sudden found out there was all kinds of crazy things coming up with the deal. So there I am sitting at my chair all day trying to work it with just my cell phone, but it ended up being, this was a probate property there ended up being uh, the woman who had owned it the mom who had passed away had a lot of problems with neighbors and there were liens on the properties so the probate attorney ended up having to file and let people know the public know about some of the liens so I think that's what stopped it from closing now why it didn't come up until basically 24 business hours before closing I don't know so we were sitting back waiting for that to happen and I was looking at other deals and wondering what I should do And then all of a sudden, the agent kept saying that the probate attorney was telling him that he should just walk away from me. They were working with the bank, and they were going to just take it to auction, and he should just let me go. Well, the the owner wanted to keep his word, since he told me, the son who inherited it, or was inheriting it, said that he wanted to um, sell it to me because he told me he would. The agent had already been, he worked so hard on this deal, and um, everything he was saying, I'm like, you know, it really sounds like it might be a short sale. Like, you should get authorization from the seller and call the bank and see what's going on. And he kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, finally, he did it. And then within no time at all, he talked to the bank. They ended up doing a BPO. 
they agreed to the price that we already had in contract and started moving towards closing. So I don't know what the attorney was trying to do. You know, I have no idea why he wouldn't have just had this go. But we ended up being able to get a short sale on it for the 145 and then eventually we closed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so it actually closed in December. So it was about a year yeah. ago, it, 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 yep. it, it, it finally ended up closing. And part of the reason I think folks thought this deal was really creative was you, you didn't have money to do it. Like nope. you didn't you, like the pro- the problem was you were $145,000 short of the $145,000 mm-hmm. purchase price. So you ended up piecing together three different sources of money, mm-hmm. a hard money loan, a loan from your family, and then a private loan from one of the co-re members to put together all of the money to both buy it and also fix it up. And then there were some rehab problems, which you know, mm-hmm. that happens in rehabs, right? There's nothing, <laughs> n- nothing nothing, especially creative about the fact that there were rehab problems. But it was interesting when you came to the end, uh, as you were presenting, you talked about some lessons you, could, you had learned. And one of them was, if you had to do over again, you would have started with a smaller rehab. Right. So I went through all the fight of getting the deal and getting and actually owning it. And then once I owned it, it was right before Christmas, too. And I didn't have any contractors lined up. And I just got online and started. Well, I was listening to all kinds of things that I listened to when I first got in. Um, Interviews that Vina had done, anything I possibly could, getting books. And I started reading some and learning when you're new, and especially if it's, you know, one of your, I can't remember the number, first five rehabs, whatever it was, but to just stick with cosmetic and I real, and then it went through the list of all the different levels of rehabs. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, the one I own right now is all the way down the list <laughs> as far as the most complicated. I mean, I had structural, I had almost everything imaginable. The only thing I didn't have to do on this property was change the siding. I had to power wash it, change the siding and change the windows. Really mm-hmm. every single thing else mm-hmm. in the house had to be redone. Well, and, and, and the reason, jacked. The, the reason you didn't lose your rear end on this deal, and it in fact made good money, was because you had this little team that you yourself had put together amongst other co-re members who were doing everything from helping you find contractors to just helping you decide whether to pull the trigger in the first place to, to getting you money. And it's it's always great to see real estate investors working together to help each other do things because, you know, I don't think most of these people got paid to help you. I think nope. they just did it because you were around and they knew you and you networked and built relationships and then you asked and they did it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- thank well, goodness for that, they, huh? <laughs> they offered, I mean, it's, yeah, they wanted to help me. I mean, it's just crazy. I feel so fortunate and so blessed to be a part of our local RIA. I mean, it is, I, I just want to give back. I mean, I just can't even fathom how much people help, want to help. And I mean, they saved my hide and they've probably saved it time and time again because I'm kind of like a bull in a china shop <laughs> out there just trying to figure things out and learn my way and <laughs> well I, yeah. I, I want to congratulate you for having put together a deal with no money and no contractors and some complicated <laughs> stuff going on that even like experienced real estate investors haven't necessarily run across and mm-hmm. it all coming out great in the end $65,000 yep. profit yeah. yeah, thank you. Congratulations to you, and thanks for sharing your story with Real Life Real Estate listeners. I look forward to lo- seeing you live again someday. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye, Megan. 
Next up, we have Brett Stewart, who won the best deal of the year by a new investor at the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati's annual holiday party. And by the way, folks, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, but you know, all of you can join RIA of Greater Cincinnati because all of the stuff, including our holiday parties, is online now. And you missed a just a really fun holiday party with lots of pet guests starring and great hats and ugly sweaters and just go to CincinnatiRia.com, CincinnatiRia.com, check out the membership options and the upcoming meetings, of course. So, Brett, this was your very first deal ever, and it didn't, it didn't match what you thought it was going to be because, as I recall, what you were out there looking for as a new investor was houses to wholesale, but that's not what you found. That is correct. What I happened across was several vacant lots dotted throughout the city. All one seller, right? Correct. Okay. And most new investors, that would happen, right? They'd, they'd be looking for houses, find a lot, and they just left swipe it because they'd be like, Pretty I, much. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do with a, with a lot. What about this particular seller made you say, wait, there's something here. I got to figure out how to do this. Well, the market was just absolutely on fire. Uh, a lot of the houses were, it was hard finding more traditional deals. And it was just something about this particular situation where I wasn't sure what was there, but I kind of had a sense that there was a definite possibility. It was, I mean, you can't be 100% sure on anything anymore, but it was just a sense of how the, the size of the lots, the location. Was the seller not basically as cooperative as a seller can be? I mean, just get me out of this? Essentially. They knew that they were in trouble, but they bought the lots originally to, you know, try to, they were kind of speculating, but they got in without a proper exit strategy and they didn't pay taxes. Things just kept piling up on them. So they needed an out and they knew it. And when you say they, this was kind of the classic exes trying to get away from each other kind of situation, wasn't it? Yes. The seller that reached out to me, he was on the deeds with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And the lots that he wanted to just get out from under had her name on it, too. So it was extra incentive for him to be done and cut things loose. Now, at the same time, I think one of the lessons people took away from your presentation was one of, shall we call it patience? Shall we call it dedication to follow up? Because this this was not a deal that, you know, typical wholesale deals take like 30 days, right? This was not a 30-day type of deal. Oh, no. From initial contact to the closing on the deeds and selling it to uh, somebody else, it was every bit of one year. And the the seller kept, he wanted to sell, but then he like wouldn't return phone calls for a while. Is that what was going on? Yeah, he kind of dropped off the face of the map for about four months or five months or so. I had actually mentally declared the deal dead and I had moved on with my marketing and everything else when, you know, a couple of months into the new year, he calls me up and I'm like, oh, this number's still on my phone, huh? Hello? Hey, you still interested in those lots? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Now, to give to give folks who are listening from around the country a little bit of um, perspective, the most important part of this seven-lot package that he had was two lots in what's probably in the top five hottest neighborhoods in Cincinnati, where people are actively building brand new houses, anxious to get the lots, and so on. 
But at the same time, you yourself said you didn't know anything about land. You didn't know anything about what the market might be, how to figure out the value of them. So how did you turn this into money? Well, I reached into my network since, as you said, it was outside my wheelhouse. Um, I'm like, okay, who knows land? Who's got the contracts? Who's got the connections? Um, most of all, uh, who can help me out with working with an agent? You know, who's got the infrastructure to turn around and put this out on a broader market? Who's got an even larger network than I do? So it was literally like it wasn't like you went to a person and said, hey, I hear you do land. You literally just reached out into the entire RIA GC group and said, who can help me? <laughs> and, <laughs> Pretty and, much. And somebody came forward and said, I got the money to close the deal. I can market the deal. I've got the title company who can close the deal. I've got agents. And what did he want in return for all of those resources? The person who I went into a joint venture agreement with wanted half the deal, which I thought was more than fair. It didn't make you mad that he didn't want to connect you with all of his knowledge and people and also take the risk of closing the deal himself and, and he wanted half your deal? Because, you know, sometimes sometimes we get new investors at RIA groups who they're shocked that somebody would want half a deal in return for, I don't know, making the deal happen. <laughs> It's more important to establish uh, a business relationship and kind of cement yourself into the community than trying to be greedy and trying to keep all this plate spinning, even if you don't know exactly what's happening. And um, there's been there was a couple of times where I almost lost the deal completely, whether to somebody actually backed out who had first agreed to help me out. They're like, oh, I don't know. And then they just kind of faded away. Like, oh, no. Um, I had to change my exit strategy a couple of times in the interim. So, I mean, this is a team sport. So, you know, establishing connections and working with other people is more valuable than money initially anyway. So perseverance, relationship building, all important things. And what did you end up netting in the end of that deal? I netted uh, 14000 So My partner wait. netted 14000 and the seller got 12. Pretty good uh, first deal. And congratulations on your win. And we hope to hear more from you in in succeeding years, you know, like next, next year, maybe most creative deal of the year. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for talking with us, Brett. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll have more best deals right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. This is our Best and Worst Deal of the Year program, and we are talking to the folks who competed and won Best Deal, Most Creative Deal, and Best Deal by a new investor at the Cincinnati RIA and Central Ohio RIA Best and Worst Deals of the Year contest. And next up, we have the winner of the Best Deal of the Year award from Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs in Columbus, Miss Maisha Perkins, who... Hello. Hello. <laughs> who, hello. Who, who, I, who I, you know, Maisha, I'm pretty sure that the reason you won, I mean, it's a good deal, but you had some strong competition, all right? And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the reason you won was I don't think anybody listening had ever heard somebody glom onto a deal and stick it through, through thick and thin and 
sellers not wanting to sell and the state wanting money that you didn't know about. I mean, it was a, it was a good deal, but it was also one where I think, you know, one of the, one of the big lessons turns out to be don't give up. So <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us about this deal. It was a single family home in a little suburb of Columbus called Whitehall, which is mm-hmm. um, kind of a bread and buttery type of area. Right. Right. And how, how did you run across this deal? Well, actually, a friend of mine sent me the deal. It, it was a, a, a boarded-up house, so all of my friends know what I do. So I try to encourage them to send me properties <laughs> since I can't be everywhere at all times. So I was actually able to get this through a friend who sent me the address, and then I pretty much just tracked the seller down through Facebook and through the seller's son's girlfriend. So that was kind of how I was able to track it down. And this seller, this seller turned out to have a story behind why it was boarded up. Yes, the seller's son, who was living there, was apparently selling narcotics out of her out of her home. Um, and she's an older lady. She had moved to Florida, and um, they ended up raiding the place. And then the city got involved, and it was just a, a really big deal. You couldn't get in and out of the house very easily. You had to, I had to contact the, the attorney to even get into the house so that they could send city workers out there to let us in. Mm-hmm. So we had to uh, make sure that our numbers were spot on. So I. I was able to call on a good Corey member, Mike Jackson, to be able to help me make sure my numbers were right so I could wholesale this deal. Because you didn't, you didn't see a lot of possibilities you were going to be able to get in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it was like a two times. We got in there two times. The first time he was with me, the second time I had eight different buyers come um, <laughs> so that we could make sure that everybody could look at it and, and present their offers. I got like seven offers. Mm-hmm. Out of those eight people, and the very last one offered me five grand over what I was even asking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it ended up working out really well. I mean, this was a five month deal. It took me five months from the time that I was able to get a hold of, t- of the seller from her signing the contract three months later, um, and then all the title issues that happened after that. It took another two months mm-hmm. for us to close the deal. You yeah, know, you know, um, watching YouTube. They make it sound like every wholesale deal is like a five-day ordeal. <laughs> like you, <laughs> like you find like you, you find the seller, they sign a contract right away, and then you immediately find a buyer, and you get paid, and you move on. But uh, there's a lot of money made in deals like this that are just not that simple. No, it's not. And I think the the key here was you know fortune. There's fortune in the follow-up. So. Don't just think you're going to get in touch with someone once and then that be it. Most of the time you have to continuously follow up with people. Um, and so that's what I did for three months. And because of that and the the fact that I was able to speak with the seller on more of a personal level and not just about real estate and her property, but just reaching out to her as a person just to see how she's doing, I think that that was one of the biggest keys for me was that people are people in general. Everybody goes through things, so you should treat people as people. Um, and I think she appreciated that about me, which is why she chose me to go with the deal over three other people, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, and I still am in touch with her today he, and, and her son and her son's wife. We go out. We went out to lunch. So, I mean, there, this is a relationship building business. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, especially with real estate and a lot of these other, you know, people say a lot of things. But if you can do the things that you say you're going to do. I think that that's the biggest takeaway uh, for me is just following up and doing the things that I said I was going to do. And and, and so many people that's don't. That's what's key. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. People don't even answer their phone. I'm just now figuring that out. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but if you could just answer your phone, you'd be a leg up on a lot of people. <laughs> very, uh. <laughs> very true. Now there was there was a even after all of this, even after the three months it took the seller to decide to sign a contract, there was a nasty little last minute surprise in this <laughs> yes. deal. There was um, there was a, a hundred thousand um, dollar lien on the property for vendor's license, and and also they owe property tax and code violations and all kinds of things. So that's how the the son got involved because it was actually in it was in his name at some point in time. The property was so that's how I'll be able. That's how I was able to become so cool with the son and his wife because we had to go to the um, AG's office, attorney general's office, like three times together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also to the Department of Taxation, we had to go there at least two or three times. So we became really close. Mm-hmm. Now, let's um, we, for for some for some perspective. You you find out at the last minute that various agencies and regulators want a hundred thousand dollars to be paid off in order to clear the title on this house. And what did you have it under contract for? <laughs> for forty seven. Forty-seven thousand. <laughs> yeah, so we're close. <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of um, investors, especially. I mean, you're not you're you you you're not like Jimmy McRae who has thirty years of experience no. doing this. You're you know you. No, I'm about a year and a half in. Yeah. So so eighteen months in, a lot of investors would have seen that hundred thousand dollar bill and said, "Yeah, I guess this is over with." But you you you've one one thing you've done really well is you've built a lot of relationships within the association. Mm-hmm. And you know people, and they know you, and you're helpful to them. And apparently, they're helpful to you because one of the, I think one of the first phone calls that you made was to a member that you knew worked for that office to say, "What mm-hmm. do I do now?" Yes, exactly, Tansy Mason. And I didn't, I didn't know she worked at the AG's office. Her and I just have had deals together, and so we were talking in general about this deal. And she was like, you know, I work at the AG's office. <laughs> it's like, what? This is like, I've been praying for this. Thank you. So she, she was very instrumental in helping just kind of walk me through how we could get all this done. She's like, you need to come up here like with them. So that was kind of how I, uh, you know, was able to establish going up there, going with the seller's son and his wife. And literally we went up there three on three different occasions and just called people every other day. I was making phone calls with them on three way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, I mean, we were able to get that done with the help of her and her guidance. You know, that was really, really a good, a good situation. So that's why I said this. I mean, it's a relationship building business, even though I'm relatively new. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I can be able to reach out, call someone and they can just give me great advice like she did, you know, it was greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. So it, it probably would have been another five months had I not talked to her. <laughs> and, to <get> this thing. <laughs> and you got it negotiated down to what? We went, we got from $100,000 to 15000 to fifteen thousand. Uh, fifteen thousand. Yeah, the seller was able to walk away with twenty grand because she wasn't going to get anything, and then I was able to walk away with fifteen grand mm-hmm. when the whole deal was said and done. Mm-hmm. Well, well done. Thank the, the, you. I think I think I think people <laughs> like a success story, but they like a success story even better when it wasn't like too easy. <laughs> Your deal wasn't yeah. too easy. It definitely <laughs> wasn't too easy, but it was worth it. I mean, because they they really were good people. I mean, things happen, and I, I understandably, you know. This property wasn't something that this lady wanted to have to deal with and all the other things that came with it. But I think she appreciated the fact that I had showed so much effort and was able to get, you know, get it done for her. Mm-hmm. Well, Maisha, congratulations on your, Thank you. your deal of the year win, your $15,000 <laughs> check and um, doing such a great job of building up relationships within Kori. 
Yes, and thank you, Vina, for being so great. You are a great inspiration. You've been doing this for a little bit longer than me, so uh, I really appreciate you know everything that you do and every all the people that you've brought together just to be able for us to reach out to to have people to talk to and get advice from. Well, thank you, Maisha, and we we look forward to seeing you competing at the best deal of the year next year too. Absolutely, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's the end of our show. I hope you got inspired, learned some things from the lessons that are best deal of the year winners learned as well and that maybe just maybe you yourself will have the best deal of 2021 we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing happy investing